0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Under the Stained Glass, the podcast where we take a look at what we talked about in church last Sunday and approach it again from a family angle. I'm Pastor Chris here at Magnolia Park United Methodist Church in Burbank. Mm -hmm. And I'm here with our Youth, Children, and Families Director, Ms. Whitney. Hi, everyone. And this week, we started a brand new series called Worship is Life. Do you think that's a little bit getting on out on the limb there? What do you think?
1: <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes.
0: It's out there. Worship is life. And we just began by talking about how, I don't know, a lot of things can become so important to us that we think of them as, quote, our life. Right. And that can be career. It can be goals in our mm-hmm. lives. It can be our families, even. Right. But that the truth of it is... God gives us life, God really is our life, mm-hmm. and we connect with God through worship, so yeah. in some ways, worship, worship is life. life. But in within that, we began talking about Abraham, who was first called Abram, and his experience of sort of just going about his business in Haran with his father and their big tribe of people, and then he hears... Somehow hears or is impressed upon by this unknown God.
1: Yeah, I really enjoy Abraham's story a lot. It resonates with me. But it is, it's one of those stories where he's the first instance of God forming a relationship. Mm with his people after the fall in the garden, yeah. forming that relationship. And Abraham kind of just, like you said, he hears this voice or it's impressed upon him and something inside him kind of stirs. And that begins that lifelong journey for Abraham and continues on today through us and, mm-hmm. and through through this great nation of people, as it were. And yeah, it just starts with this coming together with God. Yeah. As a very personal relationship with him.
0: Yeah, which I think most of us can relate to at one point Mm -hmm. or another, where we felt the presence of God or we felt that God is really calling us. Right. And I'm putting air quotes around that because I never know. It's not like an audible voice. Mm -hmm. And the Bible doesn't say that even Abram heard an audible voice. Right. But we've all had those experiences, I think, or most of us where we just feel impressed upon or urged or pushed by God to do something. And as scary as what we might be called to do is, there's also an assurance to it because we know that God is somehow involved.
1: Right. God so often makes himself known to us in ways that we can't particularly understand or explain to others. It has to be experienced to be understood, I think but he does he comes in and he makes himself known and so often it's something big or life changing that mm-hmm. he does because how else does god make himself known without something you know that's going to shift us yeah. into moving and he calls us to something or or he brings us to a new road and or path in our lives and yeah it's scary i mean i've been through it too i know pastor you've been through mm-hmm. it and and it can be scary but you can't look away, you can't turn away, and your life is never the same after it happens. And so much like Abraham, his life was never the same after Mm -hmm. it happened. And he did. He had that assurance that no matter where he went, God would be with him. He would have that presence of God and that relationship with God as he moved forward. Wherever that might take him, wherever he might be, and the challenges he might face, God would be there.
0: Yeah, but that assurance, I mean, I love what you just said, because the assurance... I mean, grows Mm -hmm. with each step. Yeah. But Abram had to take that first step. Yeah. And he had a lot of reasons not to do it. Number one, he was 75 years old. Sure. Which, you know, that's a lot. And he's being asked to take his entire family and essentially leave civilization. Because in those days, if you left your tribe and he's striking out across the land of Canaan. Right. That's just danger, danger, danger. It is. Yeah. (laughs) But he does it anyway. That's how this, remember, God, who he doesn't know yet. This is a brand new thing. In one of the commentaries, they were saying that we know enough to know that in this region of Haran, chances are they worship the moon. Mm. But somehow, Abram knows that this is not the moon talking. (laughs) Right. There's something else going on here. And he goes ahead and he strikes out. And then he does it on the strength of these incredibly unbelievable promises that this God gives him. And I'm going to read him. He says, there are seven promises. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. (laughs) You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So... (laughs) I mean, like, which of those is the most unbelievable? If you heard it,
1: well, I mean, at this point, this is when everybody walks away from A- Abram. At this point, going to be Abraham, and and just says, "Okay, well, you y- you think very highly of yourself." So, uh-huh. you know, it, none of them seem really
0: plausible. <laughs> right? Plausible.
1: All of them are hard to believe, and I think most hard to believe would be this idea that he can strike out on his own Mm -hmm. and he can be blessed in such a way. He's going into a barren land and, and he's going to become a great nation. How, how is that possible? He's leaving everybody behind. He's, he's turning his back on even the, the most tight knit group you're going to be around. It's your family. Mm -hmm. He's leaving them behind, Mm -hmm. but yet he's going to become this great nation. He's going to do something great. And that's hard to believe, but yet at 75 years old, something stirred inside him, which we know is God, and and pulled him in.
0: So even at 75, there's hope.
1: There is hope.
0: <laughs> because you think about it, when you were just describing it, there's such a sense of adventure there at it the is. same time. It yeah. is scary, and it is like out of hand, you know, with, with these promises and everything, but God is also calling him to an amazing adventure. Yeah. And he's w- willing to do it. So Abram... And here's another thing. What about Sarai, his wife, right? <laughs> she doesn't get any of the benefit of the voices or the I promises. Know. She's just got to believe in Abram. Yeah. <laughs> and yet enough. she <laughs> does it. I could see, you know, Sarai's no spring chicken either. and saying, you know, okay, listen, you go. Yeah. And I'll be here when you get back, maybe. Right. But instead, they all go. And what's kind of remarkable... Another remarkable thing is that Abram does this, he gathers all of his people and all of his livestock and all of his Sarai and everybody, and they strike out, and he just keeps going straight. He doesn't go to the left or to the right. He doesn't doubt anything. He just, God says, go that way. He goes that way, goes into the land of Canaan, and finally ends up at what's called the tree of Moreh, which is near Shechem. And at that place, he gets the notion to stop
1: mm-hmm.
0: after he's walked out in faith. And when he, after he's walked out in faith, God tells him to stop. He encounters the presence of God. Mm-hmm. It says God appeared to him. Right. Whatever that looks like. It may not have been a physical apparition. It might have been some other just really palpable sense of God's presence. Right. But It's after he walks out in faith that then God appears to him.
1: It takes Abram's decisions that he Mm, makes, that choice that he says, yes, I will, in order for God to show up. It's a relationship, as we've said so often. It has to have some sort of faith within it that says, God can, I will, Mm. and and the true understanding that God is near to actually bring God near and bring him in. And I think that's incredible because he goes to this place and he's out, you know, on his own. He's He's got his livestock and his wife and and he's on his way. And he stops and he says, no matter what, despite it all, despite leaving my my family and leaving whoever I've worshipped, you know, the moon or whoever <laughs> it might be, something's here with me. I'm not alone. And, and he recognizes that to be God. And he, he communes with him in such an incredible way. And it didn't have to be a big church or or wherever it was. It was just him and God Mm -hmm. building that relationship together and coming together in a place where, you know, maybe nothing was, maybe a Mm -hmm. tree was there and that was it. And (laughs) And they come together and they, they build this altar or this mm-hmm. relationship, which I really like that term as, mm-hmm. as a term for relationship. They come together at this place and say, there's something going on here, something yeah. important.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. He gets to the end of the the, the end of the beginning, I guess, of this journey. And he senses this incredible presence of God, and he builds an altar. He actually mm-hmm. builds a physical altar to consecrate that place right this is where i met god Mm -hmm. and it's for him to remember and to return to right and they will return to it but it's also just to set apart as holy that spot and Mm -hmm. that's where we got around in the conversation on sunday is that in our church age in this day and age Mm -hmm. We all have access to God. We have access to the presence of God. And wherever we are worshiping, whether it's in a church with a physical altar or Mm -hmm. whether we're truly in worship and prayer in our homes, there is an altar before us because the altar is where we meet God. Uh The altar is where we truly meet God when that's a real, alive thing to us. The altar is a living thing that is like a lifeline to God. Mm -hmm. And it's just great to think that way about our little prayer spots at home.
1: Right. Right. We can have that place where God makes himself known. Mm -hmm. We can have that place where we come together and it doesn't have to be flashy. I imagine this altar that Abram builds might just be a you know, a few stones sitting, you know, under this tree. It doesn't have to be anything spectacular, flashy, or it doesn't doesn't have to call a million people to it. It is your place where God will come and meet you. Mm. And through our journeys in life, we have those different places. And of course, we go back to them. I certainly have my places where God has met me and they're very special. And I feel the presence of God at that place. Sure. But yeah, we can have those things. It's a very personal thing that God does for us to, to come together with us mm. at those, those places and, and to say, you know, this is where we come to meet with God and to, to listen to Him and to speak with Him and to find our next step yeah. at this altar. And yeah. that's the importance of an altar because an altar has no power on its own. Right. If we build a, build a structure even if we're building it to God, if God has nothing to do with it, it has no power. It's just a structure. Mm -hmm. But when God comes in, there's something magical, sort of spectacular that happens at that
0: place. Yeah. So we're just like, yeah, wherever we kneel down to be with God, man, that's our altar. As long as we're inviting God into that space or we are with God in that space, so when we worship in church, when we worship at home, that's the way we ought to approach our worship time, the way that sure. Abram did yeah. when he ended up on that tree and you know built that altar of stone, as you said, and, and said, yeah, this place is holy. Um, and as we worship that way, I think that we really can begin to, get that sense of worship being the most important thing that we can do in our lives. It's like that's what we're doing all the time and Mm -hmm. everything else is just kind of intersecting with our ongoing worship. On Sunday, I brought up Psalm 17, uh, which I thought was just really cool, where uh, David is praying Mm -hmm. at his altar, you know, in the presence of God, and he just prays that... God would keep him as the apple of his eye. Mm. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Yeah. And what that means is it started out as a saying, the little man in one's eye, mm. because it was to, to denote the reflection yeah. in a person's eye of the person that they're beholding. Right. So as we think about worship this month, Uh, That's a really good prayer for us, that as we worship, as we pray, to ask God to keep us as the apple of his eye, Mm -hmm. but for us to keep God as the apple of our eye, that God is always being reflected in our eye, no matter what else we're doing. Mm -hmm. So we're really glad you were with us today. Hope you can come worship with us here on a Sunday. Uh, But if you can't do that, certainly we will meet here again next week. On Under the Stained Glass.
1: Bye.